0: Let's just pray before we get up into the word uh, this morning. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to share this word with people. Thank you, God, for those lives that were saved today through Jesus Christ. God, you have called them into glory and called them into a new life. And God, you are so good. Lord, I pray that they would not walk out of here the same, but Lord, that they would understand the love that you have for them and the work that you've just done in their life. God, change them from the inside out. Thank you for that, God. I pray right now over this message, God, that it would penetrate the hearts of the the hearers today, that we would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. Holy Spirit, you do the speaking today. Let me just be a vessel in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we are continuing this series in Nehemiah, and uh, we're talking about opposition today. You know, there's always opposition in our lives. It seems like immediately there's opposition, right? When we try to do something good in our life, we try to restore something in our life, there's always this opposition. A lot of times, for me, it's in my health, because I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm trying to live healthy and and stay away from sweets and sugars and all that stuff, and you know, uh, last week I had a really rough day. It was a, a lot of candy in the area day, so I ate some candy. And I'm like, I don't need to do that again. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be strong. I've got this. And then about halfway through the day, my kids come home with this, a black, uh, an apple pie. And no, I did not eat that whole half of apple pie. I wanted to eat the whole half of apple pie. And they're like, hey, we went to Cracker Barrel. This is so amazing. you got to eat this. And I'm like, I want to eat this. I want to eat all of it right now. And I need some ice cream to go on top of it, right? Mm, it's good stuff. Praise God for that, right? Come on now. But man, apple pie is my favorite next to pumpkin pie and cheesecake and everything else. Man, and I'm like, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to be strong. And it's like on, automatically, man, we say, we're going to do this today. We're going to be strong today. I'm not going to do this today. And then resistance, resistance, something comes up against us. I mean, you know it, you know it, just like me. If you, if you try to go on a diet, what do you, you get to work? And it's donut day, right? It's always donut day when you're trying to eat better. There's always something that happens. There's always this opposition, and that's a funny thing. But for a lot of us, opposition is not always funny. I mean, we see it in our lives. Anytime we try to get closer to God, anytime we try to build our lives and become better and try to, to form our lives to what God wants, there always seems to be some kind of crazy opposition against us. I mean, how many of you uh, that have been married have ever gone to a marriage conference? And it's, and it's just an incredible time together. You're closer than ever, and you're like, man, we, we, are, we are standing together. we worked through so much. God did a miracle in our life. We walk out of those doors of that marriage conference. You sit in the car. You start the car. And then you ask the question you're not supposed to ask. What do you want for supper? <laughs> right? And then the argument ensues. And everything that God did is just kind of shattered. It's like opposition automatically. I see it, and when I was a youth pastor, I seen it all the time. Kids would go to youth camp, man, be radically changed. They would get home. They would change, but nothing else changed around them, and it just sucked them down and just obliterated what God had done in their life. There's always opposition. Every time we try to gain ground for God, there's always opposition that comes up against us. There's always something that happens in that realm. I don't, you know, because the enemy, he doesn't like to lose. Anytime he loses ground, he's going to fight. Anytime we put up a fight, he's going to fight back. The enemy hates to lose. And when we start to gain ground, he hates it. Maybe you're like, man, I'm going to quit this addiction. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go home. I'm going to restore this relationship. There's things in your life that you're trying to rebuild right now as we're walking through this book of Nehemiah. God's put it on your heart. It's like, I need to rebuild this area of my life. It needs to get better. I need to make it conform to what God wants. And it's been resistance. It's been resistance. It's been resistance. Maybe you're watching online right now because there was so much opposition to get in your car and to get here this morning. Maybe a lot of y'all were late this morning. I was watching, seeing who was late. There was just opposition. There was just opposition. It was like, oh, I got to stay home. I'll just watch online. It's not a big deal. But there's always opposition that comes when we try to do the right thing, seems like. It's so easy to do the wrong thing. But when we try to do the right thing, there's always something that happens. And I want to tell you today that when you ever use, try to start rebuilding anything in your life, especially to God's design, there's always going to be opposition. So what do we do? What do we do? Nehemiah faced opposition from every side. God called him to do a great work and to rebuild the broken walls and burn gates. These walls and gates represented the spiritual condition of Israel. And God had called Nehemiah to go and rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem so that the people would know that God was back with them and that they could move forward into the promises of God. God was declaring through Nehemiah that his promises were true and what he spoke about it. But he spoke about the people and about him returning them to Israel and becoming a people again was starting to come to fruition. And now they're rebuilding these walls. But as soon as Nehemiah started rebuilding these walls, there's opposition. There's opposition. And so we're going to look at Nehemiah and how he responded to opposition in his life. And maybe we can take what he did and apply it to our life and understand that anytime we face opposition, how do we respond? How do we respond to that? So we're going to open Nehemiah up, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. This is when you first see the opposition that's coming up against Nehemiah. And he says, but now I said to them, this is Nehemiah speaking to the people of Israel, you know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And so let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace, then I will... Then I told them about the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king, and they replied at once, Yes, let's rebuild this wall. So they began the good work. God has called each and every one of us to do a good work. God has called each and every one of you to do something amazing in his kingdom, a good work. And he says, Let's start this good work. Let's do this thing. And then, verse 19, but when Sambalot Tobiah and Geshem the Arab heard of the plan. They scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? Immediate opposition. These people are like, yeah, let's go build this wall. And then, bam, opposition. Immediate. What are you doing? What are you doing? Anytime God calls us to do something great, I want you to know there's going to be mockers. (laughs) There will be haters. There will be people who don't understand. And we need to to go into that understanding that. These three men were set up to oppose Nehemiah, but in reality, they weren't just opposing Nehemiah and the people, they were opposing the will of God. God had willed Nehemiah to go and rebuild these walls and to restore these gates. And so them attacking the people of Israel, they're actually attacking the will of God in that situation. And that's important for us to realize Because anytime God calls us to do something great, a great work, anytime we start to rebuild our lives to what God wants, there's always going to be this opposition that comes in. And they're not attacking you. They're attacking the will of God in you. They're not trying to destroy you. I mean, that might happen. But what they're really doing is they're attacking the will of God in that area. We need to realize what the true enemy is and who the true enemy is. That's important because we don't fight the way the world fights. We fight spiritually. So when opposition, when we step out, I want you to know that today. When we step out, anytime we step out, opposition steps in. Anytime we step out to do something for God, opposition steps in. Anytime God calls you to do something great, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be people that don't want you to succeed. There's going to be people that don't understand why they've called you to do that. And there's going to be haters. And this is... Nehemiah's response, and the heater is on, I can fill it up here, and I'm sure y'all are burning up, and so if we can get somebody to go look at the AC units, I know it's like right in the middle of service, but thank you. I don't want to be passing out on me up here. And so Nehemiah responds to these mockers. This is how he responds in verse 20. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. I want you to know that today. The God of heaven will help you succeed. I want you to just say that. The God of heaven will help me succeed. Because why? He's the one that told you to do it. He's the one that told Nehemiah to do it. And so he's like, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We as servants will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Nehemiah is reminding these men, Tobiah and Sambalot and this Arab, that you have no place here. You don't belong in the Lord's house. This is God's kingdom. You don't belong in this kingdom. And any time the enemy comes, which is Satan, he's the enemy, we need to remind him that you don't have a place here. You don't have any claim to anything in my family. You don't have a place here. You don't belong here. The promises of God are for me. You don't belong in this place. You have no legal right. When Christ died for us, the enemy has no legal right to us. Death has no legal right to us. That has been broken. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus. So we need to tell the enemy that and remind him that. You have no legal right to me. And he said, the God of heaven will help us succeed. And so the enemy keeps continuing to, to fight against them. We see in verse chapter 4, this is when it really gets rough. And so Sambalot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. This is Nehemiah telling the story. We, he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from this rubbish heap and charred ones at that? until, until Tobiah the Ammonite says, who was standing beside him remarked, That stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked on top of it. Anytime you start to rebuild your life, there's always going to be mockers that come. There's going to be people that say, who are you? Who do you think you are to do what God wants to do? Who do you think that you are? You're nobody. You don't have what it takes to to build this. You don't have what it takes to do what God's called you to do. And I don't think God even talked to you. You always have those people that bring in that doubt. Why? Because the enemy is attacking the will of God in your life. If God tells you to do it, he is with you. And these men were trying to intimidate the, 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 the Israelites. They were trying to intimidate them to stop building the wall. They were mocking them, they were making fun of them. And this resistance was coming from these men so that they would stop working. But Nehemiah responds this way Nehemiah responds. In chapter 4, verse 4, and this is the way we need to respond. Then I prayed. Then I prayed. When people are coming up against you, when the enemy is, is attacking you, when the enemy is, is trying to intimidate you, when those thoughts in your mind are coming from the enemy, that I'm not good enough, that God didn't call me to do this, that my life is always going to be this way, that I I don't have what it takes to rebuild this. When God's called you to do something, and he's called you to do something great, and you're telling yourself why you can't do it, this is when you pray. You pray. And this is what he prayed. Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. They're scoffing fall back on their, make their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may them themselves be captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. You notice Nehemiah says, what? For they have provoked you, God, to anger. He's not saying, God, they hurt my feelings. He's saying, God, they're attacking your will in this, so you do something about it. He understood the real enemy, and he understood the real target, which is the will of God. And when we were faced with opposition, what we need to do is pray. And why do we pray? Because we know that the God of heaven will help us to succeed. Notice how he engaged. He prayed. He came at the problem with a spiritual solution. And I want to tell you, all of our problems, need to, we need to come at them with a spiritual solution. We need to pray about everything. We don't need to try and figure it out. First, we pray. First, we wrestle in the spiritual realm. And, and we understand what the true enemy is, what the true problem is, and we come to God first, just like Nehemiah. See, our job, and Nehemiah understood this, and the people understood this, our job is not to challenge critics or change critics' minds, but it's to do the will of God. The moment you start to challenge critics is the moment that you stop doing the will of God because you've laid down your your tools to build and you've picked up weapons to attack and that is not what God's called you to do. He's called you to build the kingdom of God. He's called you to that purpose and he's asking you just to simply do the will of God. Let him defend you. And I want to tell you as a church, this is our perspective. We will not try to challenge the critics. We will not attack what people say about us. We will simply do the will of God And if it brings opposition, then it brings opposition. But we will not mistake who the enemy is. We will not mistake who the enemy is. And we will not forget who our defender is. Because God of heaven will help us succeed. Amen. And at last, verse 6, the wall was completed to half its height and around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But, here we go, more opposition, When Sambelot and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites—wait a minute, there was three a minute ago. Now there's five. And doesn't it seem funny that the more you continue to do what God's called you to do, the more opposition and sin against you? And and Nehemiah is like, "Oh, now we have more people trying to come up against us. We have the Ammonites and the Ashdodites." And so he heard that the work was going ahead. These people have heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps of the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, and they were furious. So they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But what did they do? We prayed. We prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. They came out of the spiritual solution, and then they actually prepared themselves to defend themselves. See, when shaming doesn't work, when name-calling doesn't work, when belittling doesn't work, when intimidation doesn't work, the enemy always resorts to threats, and they're empty. Why? Because we know that our God fights for us. And we pray, and then we also need to be ready to defend. And so this is what Nehemiah does in response to their threats and to what they were wanting to do. And so then the people of Judah began to complain. Why? Because it was getting hard. It was getting very hard to do this task. They were meeting all their resistance. They were getting tired, and it was getting hard. And so the workers are getting tired. There's so much rubble to be moved, they said. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Duh. They forgot who had called them to rebuild the wall. Meanwhile, our enemies are saying, before they know what's happening, they will swoop down and kill us and in their work. And the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. All this fear-mongering. You don't have what it takes. The enemy is going to take you out. You might as well stop and just deal with it. But this is what happens. Nehemiah comes up with a different response. And I want you to know right now before I read this response that God never calls us to do easy things. God never calls us to do something that we can do on our own strength. Why? Because if we can do it on our own strength, then how is it going to bring God glory? How are people going to say, only God could accomplish that? Only God could do that. Only Jesus is the answer. When we do something for God, it should bring glory to God so that other people see who God is. That's the reality of the works that God wants us to do. He's called us to do a great work, each and every one of us, and it's so that, not that we'll feel good about ourselves, not that we'll think we're big or that we accomplished anything, it's so that, People will give glory to God. That's good. Amen, pastor. There we go. (laughs) Give glory to God. Give glory to God. God asked Noah to build an ark, even though it hadn't rained yet. God asked Abraham to move his family and to go into a new land that he was going to show him when he got there. I mean, that's a hard thing. God asked Moses to lead a people that didn't want to be led in the first place. God asked the prophets to speak words that nobody would want to hear. (laughs) God asked Jesus. The Father asked Jesus to give his life for people that hated him. Jesus asked the disciples to go and declare the gospel and to teach them everything that he said to people that were hostile, that people that would persecute them and and go after them. And God has called us to do a great task and a great work. It's not going to be easy. It may be very hard, and we may find opposition, but I'm telling you, if God calls you to it, he's going to lead you through it. If God puts it in your heart to do, then you need to do it, because why? God's with us. God will help us to succeed. So we can look at all the opposition and all the reasons why we can't, or we can remember who it is that's with us, And who it is that asked us to do it. And so here's the response that Nehemiah does. He goes, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then I looked over the situation, and I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, this is the brave heart moment. This is the moment that, man, Nehemiah stands up and solidifies who he is as the leader of the people, and he gives this Great speech that you know all the men love in these movies, these war movies. He says, Don't be afraid of the enemy. I want you to know right now, don't be afraid of the enemy. It is the Lord, remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. He goes, Now fight, fight for your families, fight for your friends, fight for your brothers and your sisters, fight for your wives and your homes. Nehemiah reminds the people why they're doing the thing that they're doing. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded why we're trying to rebuild those areas of our life. We need to be reminded as a church why we come together as a family of believers. Why God has put us in the position that we're in. Why God has called us to himself. We need to remember the why. We need to remember, God, why did you call me to do this? And Nehemiah is telling them, fight for your families, fight for the future. If this wall continues to be torn down in Jerusalem, if the gates continue to be burned to the ground and this town remains defenseless, not only are you going to suffer, but the next in line is going to suffer. The generations to come are going to suffer. They're going to be wide open to attack. There is big things on the line. And we need to understand, if we keep allowing the things in our life that are torn down to be torn down, there's going to be bad repercussions on the other end of that. Not for just us, but for our families down the line, for the people around us down the line. We need to realize what we're fighting for. And we need to rise up like Nehemiah said, I'm gonna fight for my family. I'm gonna fight for my community. I'm gonna fight for the things that God wants me to fight for. I'm gonna fight for his will in my life. And so, when the enemies heard that Nehemiah stood up and said these things, when Nehemiah, when they heard, when we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. All right, let's get back to work. There's a scripture that says resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's, he's just a barking dog with no teeth. You, you don't have to worry about him. He's just going to intimidate you, he's going to tell you why you can't do things. Resist him and he'll flee. But from now on, from then on, in verse 16, only half of my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. So they were armed for battle. They were like, we're not going to be easy targets. If you're going to come up against us, there's going to be a fight. God has called us to do this thing, and we're going to do it. And you're not going to stop us from doing it. And so this is the example that he gives us. The leader stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall, and the laborers carried on their work, and with one hand supporting their load, and the other hand holding a weapon, and all the builders had a sword belted to their side, and the trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials of all the people the work is very spread out. And we are wide and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it's sounding, and then we will whoop everybody together. Ah, oh, that's not what it says. He says, rush to where we're at, and then the Lord our God will fight for us. (laughs) Nehemiah believed that God had called them to do that great work. He believed that the the God of the, the angel armies was actually going to defend them when the time came. But they were ready to fight. They were ready to defend themselves and defend their lives and for their families. God will fight for us. And he said, we worked early. And late, from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were on, always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, that way, they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. Everybody was in on this. Talked about that last week. Nobody's exempt. And during this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. I'm telling you, we should never leave ourselves exposed. This is what we can learn from this, that we are always to put on the spiritual armor of God, that we're never to take it off. We should always be armed and ready for battle because the enemy is always, what, lurking around, looking for someone to devour. He's looking for the opportunity to strike. And the moment that he sees that you're not armed, the moment that he sees an opening, he's going to swoop in and try to cause discouragement. We need to fit ourselves with the spiritual armor that God's given to us. We need to put on the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth strapped around our waist to support us. We need to put on the helmet of salvation and put our feet with the gospel of the readiness of Christ to go and proclaim the word of God. We need to arm ourselves with the shield of faith to put out the fiery darts of the enemy, the lies and the accusations that the enemy comes up against us. We need to put the sword of the Spirit in our hand to combat the words of the enemy with the word of God. Never leave home without it. Never roll out of bed without putting on your armor. Never take it off. Never take it off. It's spiritual armor, so it will never stink. So you can keep wearing it. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> Never go anywhere. Always be ready to take a stand. Yeah, I like to run at the park, and you always see all kinds of things running uh, at the park, and you see the same people all the time. But then every once in a while, there's somebody that comes by, and you're like, hmm. And uh, I was walking Friday, and I around the corner, and this guy comes up. He's carrying a golf club. Uh, he's, he's an older guy, and he's got this probably seven iron in his hand. And I'm like, what's he going to do with that golf club? He's carrying it like he's going to hit somebody with it. And uh, I looked at him. And being a guy like guys do, what do we do? We size people up, right? We're like, I can take that guy. <laughs> if I wanted to, I could just tackle him right now, take his golf club from him and run off. But, hey, I'm just, I'm just giving you into the intellect of a man. I'm just letting you know. That's how we do but anyway, when he rounded the corner, I saw that golf club in his hand. I'm like, you know, he's ready. He's ready to defend himself. He's not going to be an easy target. That's what he's saying. He's like, I'm not going to be an easy target. And we need to have the same tenacity in us to say that I'm not going to be an easy target. I'm going to be armed and ready for battle every chance I get. Like, the enemy's not just going to come and take me. It's like, I'm, I'm ready. I can defend myself with the Word of God. And so many of us, man, we don't spend time in the Word of God, and we're defenseless. You know, the sword drills, you open this up, and you read Scripture, and you memorize it, and you get it in your head so it gets in your heart. And so when the enemy comes against you, you can speak it out of your mouth. It's a sword. It's sharper than two-edged sword. It's the Word of God that speaks truth. We need to know this. Never leave home without it. And so you think it would stop. You got these guys sitting out there, armed to the teeth, ready to fight. You think the opposition would stop, but nope, it continues to get stronger. Nehemiah 6, so Sanballat, T- Tobia, Geshem the Arab, and now the rest of our enemies, even more people, they've got a committee going. Don't you know how it always is, Right? People get a committee going against somebody else. And so they get all these people up against Nehemiah and the people of Israel, and they found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, but we had not finished setting up the doors for the gate. So it wasn't quite done, but they were going to try and stop us again. So Sambalot and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at once and go to the villages and the plains of Ono. Never go to the plains of Ono. That's why it's called Ono. (laughs) That was a bad joke. But I realized <laughs> they were plotting to harm me. He had the sense to know they're, they're not really wanting to talk to me. They just want to take me out. And so I replied by sending this message to them. And this is what we should always say when somebody tries to stop us. Say this, I'm engaged in a great work. I can't come. I'm too busy to deal with you. My job is way more important than what you want. God has tasked me to do something that's way more important than, than what you want me to do for you. I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? And he says four times they sent letters and four times they gave the same response. I'm engaged in a great work. Leave me alone. Go away. And again, I want to tell you, our job is not to challenge critics, but to do the work of God. The moment you start to challenge critics, the moment you start to fight them the way that they're fighting you is the moment you lose. Because God has not called us To challenge them. He's called us to do his job, his work, and to allow him to defend us. And then the fifth time, Sambalot's servant came with an open letter in his hand. He's like, look, you got to come. And he said this, there is a rumor among the surrounding nations. This is why we need to talk to you, Nehemiah. And Geshem tells me it's true. Hey, Geshem said it's true. You know, these kind of people's like, hey, somebody said this about you, and they never tell you that somebody is. You know you love those those conversations. Like everybody's saying this. Well, who's everybody? Well, it's really one person. But this is what Geshem says. Geshem says it, so it must be true. It's on the internet. So that you and the Jews were planning to rebel, and that why and that's why you're building the wall. According to his reports, according to Geshem's reports, you plan to be their king. He also reported that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is the king of Judah. And you can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk to me about it. I'm going to go tell on you that you're trying to make yourself king. False report, lies, rumors. You rise above rumors. And he says, I replied, there's no truth in anything what you're saying about your story. You're making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us. Imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So, what did you do? He didn't try to silence the critics. I continued to work with either, even greater determination. And then later, I went to visit Shimei, the son of Deliah and the grandson of Methshabel, who had confined his home. He said, Let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the door shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his own life, no, I won't do it. You, I want you to know that you are in a position that you don't have to run. Someone in your position, you know what position you are? You are seated in the heavenlies. That's what scripture says. You are a son and daughter of God. What do you have to fear? Why should you go run and hide? God has not called us to shrink back, but to push forward. Don't let the enemy intimidate you, but stand and say, I'm not, I'm not going to fear for my life. I'm in a position of power. I'm in the position of authority here. I'm on the victory side. Amen. And so he says, I'm not going to do that because I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobia and Sambalot had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin, they would be able to accuse me and discredit me. And this is his response, and the worship can come up. And this is how Nehemiah responds. Again, prayer. Remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sambalat have done, and remember Noadiah and the prophet and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. He prays. He says, God, These people are trying to stop me from doing what you've called me to do. Remember what they're doing, God, and allow me to keep continuing to work. And so on October 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. When you finish the work of God that God has called you to do, all the mockers, all the people that came against you, they're going to be humiliated. And they're gonna say, Only God could do this. Only God could do this because it finished with this. They realized this work had been done with what? Just like Nehemiah told them at the beginning, with the help of our God. With the help of our God. When you step out, you must remember that only God will help you succeed. Amen. You must start playing that. So during those fifty-two days, he finishes up like this. Many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah. For many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him because his father-in-law was Shekinah, son of Era, and the son of Jehoanah, the married of the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Barakah. I know you, you're like, oh, I know who those people are. I don't know who they are. But they kept telling me about Tob- Tobiah's good deeds, and then they told him everything I said, and Tobiah kept sending threatening letters to intimidate me. What is this saying? He's saying that even though I finished the work, they're still trying to stop me. And I want you to know that anytime you step out in faith and you start doing what God's called you to do, there will be opposition. It's going to be at the beginning, it's going to be at the middle, and it's going to be at the end. The enemy will not stop because he hates to lose. But we are on the victory side. We have God Almighty with us. Yeah. We have God Almighty with us. And he will not let us down. It is God who fights for us. It's God who fights for us. God will see the victory through. Let's trust him with that this morning. Amen?